Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. Hi, Dave. Hi, Chad. How are you today, buddy? I'm great. One day closer to Burroughismus. I'm going to call Christmas <laughs> Burroughismus. Big, big celebration in about 48 hours from right now. I love it. We are going to be uh, – we've got a plethora of guests today. And uh, it, it, it's, it's basically the Bearcat Journal staff episode of the BCJ podcast. Fifteen-minute segments. We're going to move them all through. They've all been doing a great job as we roll through here, uh, dealing with quarantine, handling recruiting, team news, and uh, everything in between. We are starting off with none other than Brett Stein, who has been killing it as we go through uh, the, the transfer situation, the transfer portal, and Cincinnati comes out on the other end. Brian Snow rated them today as one of the team, one of the 10 teams that had the best transfer uh, additions this year, obviously with Rapolis Ivanowskis and David DeJulius joining the Cincinnati program. Brett, uh, you said you wanted to be last, and then when I made you last, you had to be first. So welcome into the podcast. Thank you. I, I think I'm the only staff member that has more than one child. So when you said when you wanted to start, I wasn't sure how many people were going to appear. So I thought it might be easier if I was last. And for this BCJ staff podcast, I've been asking for a while if I would ever appear. So nice to know that I can finally join when you can't find a better guest to, uh, to bring in. So. Oh, I could have found better guests. <laughs> like, let, let, let's not get it twisted there. <laughs> <laughs> if it was a matter of finding better guests, there, I was not out of guests. I just thought you guys did have all done a great job getting us through quarantine. And I, I wanted to, to get your perspectives and, and in a way reward all you guys for your hard work by having you on the podcast. This was not a matter of I was out of guests and had you on, trust me. Well, I, I appreciate it. it. It's kind of funny because when Brandon was hired last spring, you know, in, in Ohio and in the Midwest, you guys finish school a lot earlier than we do here on the East Coast. So at like 2.30, 3 o'clock every day in April and May and then early June, I was able to contact a lot of recruits because they were home during the week, not, you know, just working on the game and just not really doing anything because AAU was on the weekends. And again, now it's like everyone, I've got a captive audience. So if I need to, you know, t contact a recruit or a coach or someone like that, they're all there. Like everyone's working from home if they're working at all. So it's given me a great opportunity to speak to people. And I've been very fortunate that with the way recruiting is now versus when I first started back in the early to mid 2000s, you can almost contact anybody on social media. You could find teams and players and coaches. And I've been very lucky that people speak to me and give me quotes and, you know, make it very easy for me to do my job, write articles, give updates and give people the content that they come to Bearcat Journal for. Dave, you have any questions for Brett? No? Not yet. <laughs> You're building them up, huh? Yeah. It's, it's well, I'll, I'll let everybody else in on a secret, and, and this will be a theme throughout the day. <clears throat> the only person that didn't call me and ask me what the questions were going to be was Berg, and that's because Berg is, has done this podcast with me probably a hundred times. Brett, there is no set, like, there's no, there's no script for this thing. We, we just kind of go. So I couldn't give you the questions if I wanted to, because I won't know them until they come to my head. <laughs> well, you're a seasoned um, professional, Chad. So I, I assume you've, over years, you've kind of just developed your, 
your strategies and you just kind of go as it, as it strikes you? Well, I mean, with the podcast, podcasts are, are generally supposed to be um, conversational. And I think if you script it, then it's, it's no longer conversational. It's scripted. Do you and Jeff general script the, uh, the fan podcast? When it's you just Jeff it. and I, you send no. him questions, don't you? No, when Jeff, when <laughs> Jeff and I do it, no. But if I have like, when I had the Madsons on a few weeks ago, I, I got some fan questions they wanted to ask. And just also talking about a few things that I thought fans and people that really follow the program would want to have them talk about because their state tournament got cut off like in the middle with everything with the, with the COVID-19 stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it really depends though. I, I'll have some prepared stuff and then depending where the conversation goes, as you know, it can go in different directions. And then I just kind of wing it a little bit uh, as it goes along. Uh, have you started to realize it? And we didn't really experience it much with the high school guys because the high school guys that committed were, um, we're all pretty outgoing. We're, we're all pretty, um, I don't want to say easy to, to contact and get in touch with, but once you were in touch with them and it built a relationship, th- those relationships are pretty easy to maintain. Um, the transfer portal guys have been a little different, haven't they? And John likes to keep, uh, keep things as, as tight to the vest as possible. And DeJulius and, and Rap, neither of them were, uh, were seeking out media attention, if you will. Yeah, when I spoke to Rap's uh, high school coach at Brewster, Jason Smith, you know, he he kind of told me he served as a bit of a go-between when he went into the portal. Uh, a lot of coaches contacted him first, and then he kind of passed certain schools and coaches to Rap that he thought might be a good fit, and they kind of parsed it out that way. With the Julius, he cut his list so fast after he went into the portal to four schools. Well, he was very he was kind of on a deadline a little bit in terms of just where he wanted to go. But with these kids in the portal. Yeah, I, I don't know them from beforehand. With the high school kids, yes, I know them from AAU events. I can kind of build their relationship over months or years. With the portal, it's just it's it's a bit of a hellmouth and how quickly things can move. And if you don't have any connections there, yeah, it can move too fast, and then you don't have anyone uh, kind of filling in the gaps. And, and DeJulius and Rap are very very quiet guys. Um, DeJulius did speak to me eventually, but it took some calling in some favors. Uh, thanks to Mike Saunders Jr. for that one. How about now, Dave? Yeah, so whether it's the transfer guys or any of the incoming guys and or anybody you've talked to recently since Coach Brandon and his staff has been on board, are there any themes that kind of, you kind of hear over and over again from guys as far as their interactions with the staff or how they're being recruited and anything like that? Yes, Um a bunch of players that took unofficials last spring and summer, especially the guys that went to Indiana, Anthony Leal and Trey Galloway. A lot of players and parents mentioned um, coach Mike Rayfelt and his whole strength and conditioning philosophy, the exercises and the facilities they have in place there to help players get better uh, in terms of strengthening them towards becoming better basketball players. So coach Rayfelt gets mentioned a lot and coach Brannon would cut up, have someone cut up these clips of how he used players at NKU. Now he can use clips for, you know, his, his first year at UC. So the way he pitched recruits and their parents and coaches on how he would use them at Cincinnati really stood out because for players, you know, they're going to have good options to choose from. Most schools have good facilities and, and uh, campuses, stuff like that, nightlife. But in terms of how they'd be used on the court, some schools might be a little bit more, I don't want to say secretive, but maybe less forthcoming about that. And Brandon is very detailed. He's very analytic driven. And 
always talks about how to use players to the best of their ability. Like Dave, you might see some of the shot charts for the games this year. It's all three pointers and shots at the rim. None of that mid range stuff. And that was on purpose. So the way he kind of goes after kids and targets them and Chad, I know you saw Brandon's press conversation. You were asking us some questions like he's very, you know, they have a whole plan about how they go after guys that come into the portal. So that really stood out how detail oriented the staff is in, in recruiting. Were you surprised that, that Mike Rayfeld was such an emphasis when he's known John Brandon for at that point when the, everything started last, last spring and they had known each other for weeks, days and, and Brandon automatically went to using Rayfeld as a strength in his recruiting pitch. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I know that he was one of the key people that was kept on staff uh, with the coaching change. And I thought that was a good thing to do because he had worked with all the kids that were staying at Cincinnati the whole time they were there. So I think that bridge was very helpful. And I would also think in terms of how much time they spend with the strength coach, you know, maybe Brandon recognized very quickly, you know, he's been an assistant coach. He's recruited for a long time. He's, he's, you know, he played at two different schools himself. So I think he's pretty quick to develop relationships with people. And I think how quickly he and Rayfeld hit it off is uh, certainly a bonus. I mean, you look at the, the weight difference in Chris Vogt and Zach Harvey and Keith Williams, some of those guys improved and got stronger. And I think you look at the incoming class and you kind of, dream a bit about what Rayfeld can do with them when and if they ever get to campus because some of those guys are you know in need of, of strength to adjust to the college game and I think Rayfeld could work wonders with you know Mike Saunders Jr. certainly the Madsen brothers and, and uh, Tari Eason as well and then the two transfers you know Rapp and uh, and the Julius would all benefit from that because you're talking about only six guys returning if everyone that declared for the NBA returns uh, for next year's uh, next year's team. You've built a great relationship with, with Mike Saunders Sr., Mike Saunders Jr., um, with the Madsons and their dad. How important do you think it is to those guys, like having basketball dads, having guys that, that have coached and been around the game for a long time? Because it seems like w- with all three of them, they play with a confidence. They play with a, a, an IQ level, a skill level that um, you know, isn't common in, in basketball today. Oh, for sure. I actually knew Mike Saunders Sr. a couple of years ago. Uh, Cincinnati recruited a guy from Indianapolis named Kevin Easley. Um, he went to Chattanooga, and then he, he, he transferred to TCU. Um, so Tried I to come to Cincinnati him many times. Yes. <laughs> so he wasn't really a good fit the first time around, but then I, I think he found a good fit at TCU. He's kind of a tweener, but he, he can certainly very talented offensive player. Um, ultimately landed at a good spot for him. And his dad was always very generous to me with his time, as was Kevin. So I had already kind of known Mike a little bit. And then as soon as Brandon got hired, you know, how close Mike, the Saunders family is to the Brandon family, because they've known him for like four or five years. That really helped. So um, from that standpoint, that was very easy. And I, I speak to him almost every day. Uh, I, I joke around with people that, you know, based if you stop right now, he might be the person I speak to the most, even more than my wife. You know, Mike Singer and I text him every day. Um, so that, that, was, that made it easier. And then just with Mike's journey, you know, he had to decide what to do a couple of years ago. He went out to Utah and just kind of started over a bit and, and has really gotten a lot better. And then with the Madsons, I'd spoken to their dad first, Luke, because um, when I speak to kids, if, if I can get the parents number first, I like to do that to make sure that the, the, you know, the player knows that I'm trying to do things the right way and build a relationship. You know, I did an article a couple of days ago on Eric Van Heiden. I spoke to his mom first. You know, I spoke to his AAU coach, and he said, talk to the mom first before you speak to Eric, and just make sure they know who you are, 
because in today's day and age, all these people were calling and sending messages on social media to these players. So by dealing with Mike Senior first and then Luke Madsen, it made it easier to speak with um, Gabe, Mason, and Mike Jr. And I, I speak to them, you know, a couple times a week, sometimes more. And I'm hoping if they play next year and they come to Brooklyn for the preseason NIT, I can meet them all in person because I feel like, you know, I've been on this journey with them because I started writing more articles last spring after Brandon got hired. So as soon as, uh, you know, they, they committed, that made it easier for me. So uh, it's been great. And they've all been very generous with their time. They appeared on my podcast. They didn't have to do that. So it's, it, it's really interesting to see their development and how close they are too. Cause Mike Jr. has been pivotal in putting this class together. He was in Tari Eason's ear for months. He was at a tournament in Hawaii when he committed to Cincinnati. So I think all those players have spoken to recruits and tried to keep everything uh, together. You know, like in football, that first recruit that commits can kind of bring the class together. So these are well-coached kids. They know how to play the game. They want to win. They don't care about personal statistics. And I think they'll be great Bearcats. Brett, Justin Berg's on the line. Tell me, how good of a dunker is Tari Eason? <laughs> I think Berg's very excited to see, uh, see Tari get in the open court that first time. It was like Jeremiah Davenport's first dunk against Memphis. You just know Berg was sitting at home watching the game, and he just you know, jumped out of his chair, probably spilled a beer. Um, one of those situations. All right, brother. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Brett, Brett Stein, basketball recruiting extraordinaire here at BearcatJournal.com. Uh, I think you can just hit end or whatever, Brett. There we go. All right. Now it, now, now we're getting serious. Now we're getting <laughs> – so I, I, all day I've been, I've been working with the, the, three, the three guys that, that don't do this a lot right, with, uh, with Brett and Brent and Mick. And they're asking me all day, what, what questions are you going to ask? What, what's this going to be like? What, and I'm like, that's not how we roll here, fellas. We go. And no. the, only two people, the only two people I didn't hear from were you and Dave. Well, I didn't have any time to respond to any of that stuff. I kept seeing <laughs> it was a gorgeous these, day. Yeah, I kept seeing all these texts. And I was like, I, how do I get out of this? I don't uh, – I think I just press these, press these numbers into the thing, and then there we are, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, you got your time. Uh, give me, give me a Leah's landscaping ad here. Uh, to uh, a personal Leah's landscaping ad. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, we're out there rolling. Last year we only had one truck. Now we have three trucks and a trailer. So um, that could tell you how much stuff we're doing. We have about eight people working for us. Uh, last year only had three or four. So we're, we're rolling and, um, we do anything in your yard, man, other than, uh, like lawn stuff, but anything in the beds, we don't cut, we don't cut actually, you know what? That's not true. We got a third party lawn person now. So see, my brain is not going to work. I can't do an ad right now. I want to talk about David Julius. I don't care about landscaping right now. You know, Leah's like, landscape, Leah's landscaping.com. Yeah. If you're a Bearcat fan, mention Bearcat journal, he'll hook you up. If you're a Xavier yeah. fan, he charges you double. Yeah, you get a discount if you're a Bearcat fan, that's for sure. And we've already served one of them uh, earlier in the season. Great guy. I'm not going to mention him, but I appreciate the business. But here's – here's okay, so let me get right into this this past hey, week. This is your 15 minutes. You go. I'll just, I'll just sit. <laughs> All right, so, so, so this rap Ivanoskis thing, it's cute. You know, I get it. Here come all the, hey, remember that time you killed the Bearcats? Oh, well. <laughs> 
he had a good game. Let's ask the coach this cute question about, like, hey, at least you didn't do it against you this time, right, coach? You know, you know that stuff's coming. But I'm glad to have him. I'm glad he's on the team. He's going to be a fun player to have. Don't get me wrong. It's just like, you know all those tweets about, uh, at least you didn't do it against us. You know that stuff's coming. So um, Berg has been saving this open for like two weeks. I love uh, it. Actually, I just got out of the shower, and it was the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> but uh, so but in terms of the player himself, like it's going to be really fun to have a, a four-man that can do all kinds of stuff on the perimeter and pass and shoot and, you know, run the offense through him and, and all that good stuff. Um, but I'm more, I'm more interested to talk about this David DeJulius thing because, okay, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. So this guy was Mr. Basketball in Michigan yes. two years ago. Okay, so he was the best player in Michigan at his level. And he was a four-star recruit. Is that correct? Yes. So John Beeline is like, we got to get this kid. He gets yes. him. And then John Beeline goes to the NBA, and that doesn't go well. Um, but uh, Juwan Howard takes over. So, um, but he's playing behind Xavier Simpson uh, the last two years. And um, then Xavier Simpson's gone. And it's like, oh, here, the job's yours, buddy. And he's like, you know what? I don't think I want that job now. I want to go play for John Brannon at Cincinnati. How did he come to that decision? Explain anything you know about it. It just seems like you can play in the best league in the country. You can play starting point guard for Michigan in the Big Ten. And he's like, nah, I'm good. I'm not, I'm, and I'm not trying to put Cincinnati down in any way. It could, be, it could be another school anywhere in the country, but it's just like, how does he just like, nah, I don't want to be the starting point guard at Michigan. Dave. Dave. Yeah. He's asking me the questions? What is hey. happening here? Hey. He wants to know, and he maybe the same. Maybe the all the other people have the same question, but they can't get to you because you're so busy, so popular. But Burke comes in here, and he's he's fired. He wants to know how's this? How did this happen? Maybe you okay, don't well, know, man. Maybe you no. Don't I, know. I mean, I, I have I have a pretty good grasp on it. One, I think there. When you play for John Beeline, you think you're playing for the best offensive mind in the country, right? Right. Well, that's not Jawan Howard. You didn't sign up to play for John Howard, Jawan Howard. And that's not to take away from Jawan Howard as a coach. But as a point guard, you sign up to play for John Beeline. There's something specifically that you're signing up to play for. The way that, that his teams run offense. The way that they rely on their point guard. The way that they push tempo. The way that, you know, you've watched – John Beeline teams for, for what, 15 years now? There's a certain, you know, this is what I signed up for when you're going to play for John Beeline. That's not there when you're playing for Jawan Howard. Um, and, and that's not to say Jawan Howard's a bad offensive coach, but it's certainly not what you signed up for, which is, for my money, as much as I dislike John Beeline for what he did to UC a couple years ago, he's the best, he was the best offensive coach in college in the country for me. Uh, especially if we you narrow it down to the high major level. So I think he was looking for somewhere that provided that style, that type of offense that allowed him to get downhill, that allowed him to push tempo, that allowed him to attack in transition. And that wasn't necessarily what, um, what John Beeline offered. Um, to Juwan Howard. Juwan Howard. Yeah. Two, 
Uh, and John Brandon talked about this a little bit today in his press conference. You were probably uh, a little too busy uh, not cutting grass. To uh, I, I thought you run a landscaping business, and your tagline is "We don't cut grass." It's not really our tagline. Uh, <laughs> those, are, those are two totally have... different enterprises: landscaping and lawn care. Come on, Chad. <laughs> we do we do offer lawn care though. As of this year, I just my brain crapped itself there. <laughs> um, the other thing is, and, and John talked about this today. Like I said, um, when they were in the Horizon League, I mean, you're up in Detroit for road trips twice a year. You're up there for the conference tournament. They had developed a relationship with Juan Rickman, his high school coach. Um, he had a funny story today is actually they would bring – his high school coach would bring their team down to play in NKU's team camp, but he wouldn't let any of his high major guys play because he was trying to get his, his mid-major guys, his mid- and low-major guys noticed. Um, so DeJulius came down two years to NKU, but didn't play in either of the camps. But he so, got to see what it was like. Yes. Okay. So he got, okay. He so, got to be so around. There's a deeper a connection. Bit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So now it all makes well, sense. And Sean Dwyer is a Michigan guy. He's from Michigan. Okay. He has a he he developed a relationship with the high school coach a long time ago. I, I think what was really interesting in this thing is DeJulius played for the family, which is the biggest AAU program in the state of Michigan. And usually when you play with the family, the family kind of, you know, runs the show. So everybody kept looking towards, there were three guys that played for the family at Marquette. There was a guy with deep connections to the family at Missouri. Um, so everybody kept looking at that and thinking, you know, follow the connections to the family where the Julius was actually closer to his high school coach. His high school coach was the one that was kind of, um, initiating the process or or handling the process for him and that's who John Brandon and Sean Dwyer were close to I also think along with with rap I think the two biggest things to the, the one biggest thing with both of them is John Brandon took a heavy heavy um involvement in both of their recruitments and right. I think he has a really good understanding of and we've talked about this for years Berg when the head coach is, is, is running point, you know things are serious. Jacob Evans, yeah. The head coach yeah. was running point on both of these kids. You knew yeah. that, that, that they were a priority, and he had, he had really wanted to land both of them. So uh, okay. that's kind of where that backstory on DeJulius is. All right, so, so now that we have that out of the way, so just him, DeJulius as UC starting point guard, okay? Now, if you think back over the last 30 years, there's been a lot of years – where there hasn't really been like that, that traditional – not traditional, I hate that word. Just like that point guard that can control the flow, push the pace, be a leader out there, you know, get into the paint, make it easy shots for his teammates, stuff like that. There's, there's been good point guards. I mean, there, you can name three or four pretty good ones. But, like, it just seems like there's a lot of years where it's like, eh, this guy's not really a point guard, so we're going to have this guy run the point. Like last year, for instance. So – with him at the point now, it's like, whoa, okay. Now all of a sudden you got a high major guy, a four-star guy, Mr. Basketball guy, like guy with real skill and talent and hunger and all that stuff. And you, you're so, – so that position on the team is just like way, way improved from last year for sure. Um, that I mean, really Jared Cumberland was a pretty stuff. good point guard. Yeah, for like four games. <laughs> 
<laughs> Injury mean, was a factor, yes. Yeah, a lot of things were a factor. But, no, I mean, just, like, in general, um, there's been a lot of, like, ball control point guards. There's been a lot of, like, you know, that type of stuff over the years. There hasn't been that guy that's like, hey, this guy is going to get you what you need on any possession when it really matters. So, um, yeah, it seems like he can – he can be that guy that we just haven't had a lot of those types of players, which is exciting to go along with uh, rap who again is, can kind of do a lot of that same stuff, but from the four spot, they can both shoot it. Um, you've got a lot of influx of just different stuff that you can be doing offensively. And um, now with Jaron Cumberland out of there and Keith Williams, unless he gets drafted this year uh, by the Phoenix Suns with like the number seventh pick, um i I just think like it everything's like just seems like more open and flowing and things like that um i I would imagine that the julius has an idea has a grasp of like what else is there and what his toys are like it seems like brandon has a lot of toys to play with this year whereas last year it was like i got a couple few and then there's some other stuff that's like i got to figure out what to kind of do and they're bet whether they best that where it's like now it feels like his whole his whole roster is like he can – he's – possibilities are endless. Yeah, I mean, he's – it's crazy to think that, that when Mick left, there was a full roster pretty much uh, of, of players that Mick had recruited. And now there's Keith and Dew are the only two that are, that are left. And In less than a year. And Prince, which we don't we, – we're not really sure, you know, what that situation is. If Prince isn't here, there's, there's two guys. And the roster's at 12. Or, or and they're both depending. awesome dunkers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, pretty quickly we're seeing, like, what a, a John Brandon roster is going to look like going forward. There's a lot of offensive skill. and there, But there's – right now, at least, there, there's a lot of inexperience. There's a lot of question marks. Um, so that's why I think it was critical that you go out and you get not only two guys that can play, because, uh, and I'm, I'm sure you know this, but even Auskis is not a, a, a mid-major, low-major guy. No, Northwestern, right? right He's yeah. a top 100, top 150 guy, four-star guy that went to Northwestern, had two shoulder injuries um, that, that precipitated him going to Colgate. So, um, I think both of those were kind of necessary in that now you, you know, if you look at, if you got a starting five of DeJulius, Either Micah Adams Woods or Zach Harvey, one of those two, I would guess. Keith Williams, Rap, and then Chris Bowe. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, a crunch time lineup of yeah. I, I was just um, going to say to cut you off real quick. The having Rap and Mamadou, having the Rap and Do <laughs> combination at the four and the five seems real, real fun to me. Dave, you got anything for Justin, or are you just going to let him? assault me here (laughs) i'm I'm enjoying this this is this is entertaining um let's see have you checked have you been able to check out mamadou's cooking show (laughs) no does he have one oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah. he's got at least three maybe four episodes now (laughs) what's he cooking what's he cooking well the one i watched he made a mean lasagna oh and uh, he's also like, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty great. He's taking this whole quarantine in stride. He's, <laughs> he's playing golf all around his apartment and complex. Um, but yeah, it's it's high quality entertainment. So does does he does he mention the fact that he should be a volume three point shooter? 
Well, he did. I mean, he did, what did he say at the one game? Eighty percent. Eighty percent. Eighty percent. I know. Eighty percent. I know. Put up some more shots. I mean, they ain't guarding him, and make them make them guard I, you. I just love the fact that you know one hundred percent when he gets the ball and the crowd starts cheering, there is no chance he's not shooting. <laughs> well, it, no, he doesn't shoot. He passes, and then he gets it back and immediately fires. And, and then the crowd's in a frenzy. He, he's like, he's what, I mean, he's much better than this, but he is what I wish every walk-on would be. Like, you get in the game, they pass you the ball, you better shoot. And that's what I feel like Mama do is. I love it. Like, you just, if he gets the ball anywhere in shooting range, if you know it's going up, you may as well just go try to get the rebound. He's basically Kevin Durant without the handle. <laughs> that was... That was kind of what I was thinking. I mean, he's like Thon Maker if Thon Maker was Kevin Durant. I've lost control of this podcast. Yeah, well, I just just think that if you you have Keith and Dew in there, along with these guards that can do all kinds of stuff, it just just seems like there's going to be a lot of entertainment next year. What matter – how well they do overall, win-wise and stuff, whatever that is going to be what it is. But a lot of fun things happening, a lot of dunking, a lot of swishing threes, a lot of pushing the pace. Mike, Mike Saunders Jr. getting in there, seeing what he can do. I'm excited. I, I assume we're going to have a season. Let's, be, let's just look at the – be positive about it. It's going to happen. Oh, for sure. Thanks for having me. All right. Me. Well, thanks for coming on, and you, you most certainly mix things up. That's what I do. <laughs> You you came in here and you you came in guns blazing, and you, you <laughs> took it been right. A while. He had to get get some words in. He uh, Dave he came right down the middle of the lane and dunked on my damn head. <laughs> Left handed. He's like, yeah. <laughs> All right, Berg. Thanks, brother. Yep, we'll see you. With that kind of energy, we're gonna have to have you back on for a full episode soon. We'll do. We'll do. All whenever right. you're ready. All right. Talk to you soon, brother. Okay. All right, that was Justin Berg. Now we've got Mick Walker. Mick, you got you got a big act to follow. Hello? Hi, buddy. Can't hear you guys just a second. We can hear you. We hear you just fine. Massage, man. And I see you just fine. Do you have your volume up? Just a second. All right, so Chad, hey. this, is, this will be mixed first and last time on the VCD. <laughs> I mean, that that's a tough act to follow to begin with, right? Like, and, and now it's like, like I mean, Berg Berg was coming in hot. Oh, he, him, he, that's what I said. He's like he's been saving up for you know all the time he's he hasn't been on. He's got to get to. Get like a word quota in. He's ready to roll. What's going on, Nick? Can you hear us now? Yeah. All right. I I was saying you have a very tough act to follow because Justin Berg just came in here and uh, was an absolute machine gun on this podcast. He dominated me, dunked on me left-handed right down the middle of the lane. And uh, you've got your work cut out for you now. No pressure. All right, I'll try. <laughs> no, 
Mick, um, obviously, you're the, uh, the the football recruiting guru now for BearcatJournal.com. It has uh, it's it, it, you jumped into this thing, not really knowing a, a ton about UC and, and the landscape of UC recruiting. Um, after what are we? A little over three months in now, almost four months in now. Um, yeah. What what's your overall impression of of what you've seen as uh, as someone covering this beat? Well, really, what I when I reach out to you and I reach out to like people to try and get a job covering Cincinnati, it was that I a lot of the guys that cover in Ohio I enjoy talking to, and a lot some of the bigger schools that like I also cover Ohio State. I think most people know that a lot of the Ohio State isn't taking a lot of these kids that Cincinnati is. So I was able to grow relationships with more of these guys that Cincinnati is taking, but Ohio State isn't. So that was really my my reason for this, and it's been great with you guys. The staff is great to work with. You guys are great to work with. So it's just been a ton of fun. Have you been um, surprised at all at the level that, that Luke Fickle has this thing as you, you get into kind of looking at it on a day-to-day basis? Or was this kind of what you expected? After seeing Evan and guys like that, and then I covered the end. We covered the tail end of 2020. So just seeing how they finished that, I wasn't really surprised on how they've taken off so far in 21. Dave? So with the quarantine and everything that's been going on, how do you think that's, you know, have you seen anything with that that's affected how these guys are making decisions or or anything like that when you've been talking to them? No, and Cincinnati, more than other schools, really has did a great job with the going ticket event that I I wrote a little bit about and then the three practices that that did get to get in and then just different visits during the contact, the, uh, the quiet period or whatever it's called. They got a lot of guys on campus before all this went down. So that's why they're seeing the success that they are right now. When you, when you watch things like the, the social distancing thing that, that Steve Wilpong did with, with Luke Fickle, does it give you kind of more of an understanding of why kids relate to him as well as they do? Because he just, he comes off as kind of a normal guy, like a guy that's easy to trust, a guy that's easy to, to kind of put your faith in is that you know does that does that do you see that impacting recruits and the, the relationship they have with not only him but but like Marcus Freeman or Gino Gadulli as well Mike Denbrock yeah well obviously I think Steve said it on the message board when he put the video up is he's just really a normal guy that is a head coach of a college football team and I think that's how a lot of guys see him that's how a lot of the recruits especially in the Cincinnati area see him with Landon and his different kids being down there, be, be, people being around him, being around him, being around the different high schools around there. So that's really been a benefactor. And then, like you said, with the staff that they have with Coach Freeman, Coach Gadouli, um, some of the new guys, Coach Enos, Coach Eliano, some of those guys coming in, he's assembled a staff where he's he has the ability to sort of come in and be a closer in these recruitments and come in. like not He doesn't have to be in it from the jump. Freeman or other guys will build these great relationships and he can come in and give them his final pitch and talk to them before they make their final decision. You're a big Perry Eliano guy. Yeah, he's a great dude. You're you're predicting big things from him uh, on the recruiting trail in the future here at Cincinnati, aren't you? Yeah, we actually just – me and you had this debate last week when they landed Amarion Smith that you said, you said two more guys and – I think they're on three guys that they really like. I think those three guys specifically. We're not going to talk about the three guys, but those three guys specifically, those are the guys they take, and he can land all three of them. Um, 
let, let's look at uh, the specifics of it. Armarion Smith kind of came out of, I don't want to say left field because they had been recruiting him for a while. But I think the, the coronavirus situation and the lockdown definitely sped up his process. And then Cincinnati was able to, to close as the kid went into decision mode. Uh, Mal Glenn, that is a kid that, that doesn't say a whole lot. So it was kind of difficult getting a read on where uh, his commitment w- was going to go for a while. But Cincinnati was able to come in and close again. I mean, that's as we've seen with this run here over the past two weeks with, you know, three guys the previous week, then two guys last week, plus Michael Young, the grad transfer from Notre Dame. What's been on display uh, more than anything, I think, is, is, is their ability to not only build the relationships, but then when a commitment is on the line to be able to close the deal and, and get a commitment and, and get the kid committed to Cincinnati. Yeah, and obviously there's people that you know and there's people that I, I, I know some that are inside the recruiting staff and inside the p- building over at Cincinnati with the coaches that do a great job of identifying these kids so early on, like uh, Jalen Monroe, guys like that. They, they come out and their first offer – Cincinnati is their first offer in front of Mac schools, different schools like that. That along with the coaching staff, like guys like Coach Freeman, even Coach Scruggs has come in and got a few guys helping on the D-line and stuff. That's really been key is they identify these guys early, and then from there they're able to work, and that's how they're able to close these deals during a time like this and guys aren't exactly sure what's going to happen. Dave? So they've been, for this time period and with everything going on, comparatively speaking, to pretty much anybody across the country been ridiculously hot on the recruiting trail do you see that continuing or what is it, nine commits? And we're probably looking at like a full class, not knowing how the fall is going to shake out. Do you think that can continue or is there maybe going to be a little bit of a lull here coming up? Well, one guy I wrote about right when he announced his decision date, Will Pauling, a uh, wide receiver at Illinois, he's actually he has his commitment date set for Thursday. And I think Cincinnati's in a great spot there. Some guys like Alan True, Steve Wilfong already put their crystal balls in for Will to land at Cincinnati. And he's another guy that Cincinnati was his first offer. And I wrote about that when he um, announced his decision date, when Mike Brown actually gave him the offer at one of their a camp that they held in Illinois last summer. Will actually broke out in tears because it was his first offer. And ever since that moment, he's grown amazingly close with Coach Mike Brown. And it, it's, it's going to hopefully manifest into a recruitment here soon. How much of their success do you think is, is that scouting side of it? it it's not just – being able to build relationships and, and being able to close, but having that that very distinct, very specific eye for talent that they know what they're looking for, they usually are one of the first offers, if not, as we're talking about for a lot of kids, their first offer. Um, and then next thing you know, all of a sudden there's three, four, five, power five schools that, that jump into the mix. Um, but you have to, to credit their evaluation skills as a big part of their success as well. Yeah, and they're all, they're like you talked about their program that identifies these guys early. And Cincinnati isn't a team that like there's some schools out there. I don't want to name any names that'll just issue offers by the dozens and try and, so they can say they have offered kids. Cincinnati is selective in knowing what guys fit their program, fit their schemes, and fit what sort of play they want to have. They identify those guys and they get on those guys early. Like Miles Montgomery out of Florida, he was Cincinnati is one of their bigger offers, and Coach Gadouli was on him for a long time. He came in, sealed the deal with Miles, and now Miles after only visiting Cincinnati once and committing on that visit is locked in with Cincinnati going forward. 
how important do you think the job is that they've done recruiting the offensive and defensive lines? Because quite often when you see the divide between the power five schools and the, the group of five schools or top 25 schools and schools that are outside the top 25, however you want to look at it, one of the, the biggest differences is uh, how their strength, both on the offensive and defensive line, Cincinnati's talked about being an offensive and defensive line program. Uh, they're, they're talking the talk and walking the walk in this recruiting cycle with Jalen Monroe, Dante Corleone, uh, Mal Glenn, and, and Luke Collinsworth as the guys that, that they've identified early and landed uh, in the trenches. Yeah, like you said, that they, they really preached that mantra of being um, offensive and defensive line driven. I remember our first week on the job when I really laid down and asked you name after name about the guys on the staff. You, the thing is, you, you, we talked about Coach Crook, and you said there's not a guy in that Cincinnati offensive line room that wouldn't do everything they can to just play for him, and they play for him like every down. And that's, that's what you see in Luke Collinsworth. That's what you see in Mount Glenn. He's putting the work on those guys and really just – they all the different assistant coaches have their own style. Coach Freeman is a very energetic and outgoing guy. Coach, Coach Crook, is, he's, he is methodical. He knows his guys, and he builds this, these strong relationships and each of the assistant coaches. And now Coach Scruggs is doing it. He just, he's Jalen Monroe. He has Dante Corleone. All those guys, they, they just build great relationships with him, and that's what – and when they start to get into these different levels, when they want to be in these top 25s, these Power 5 programs, and they want to beat them, that's what they're using, is using these mantra of being defense and offensive line driven. Dave, you got one more? Yeah, so last year's class, everybody knows, probably the best class – UC history finished just over 85 rank uh, rating 20 on 24/7 40th nationally smaller class and we know that quantity will affect your overall team ranking this year's class going to be bigger probably not reach that number maybe but guessing not do you think though that if you had to bet right now whatever it is 8 months out Will this class finish above or below that, that kind of 40 line, which has been the highest that they've ever had? Well, uh, obviously they've been affected last year from having guys like Evan Prater, obviously Jaheim being Cincinnati guys. Cincinnati isn't as of loaded of an area this year in 21. So they're going to have to get the guys like the Luke, Luce Collins isn't a Cincinnati kid, but he's from just over the state lines in Indiana. And then Corey Kiner, obviously they have to get Corey. They're going to have to nail some of these higher um, – higher local guys, even since there's such a lot fewer of them. Um, the 40 mark, I, I think they could they could probably be right around there. I, I talked to you, obviously, a little while back. At SMU right now, just how Cincinnati had a large Cincinnati following last year with guys being so local. SMU is really benefiting from recruiting Dallas hard this year, and it's going to be neck and neck between SMU and Cincinnati for a top spot in the American. But for, I think that 40 spot is probably right around where they'll be just because of the size of the class and the lead they're already off to. All right. Thanks, Mick. We appreciate it, brother. Uh, keep up the good work. Keep doing a good job. And uh, we will talk to you here soon on the BCJ podcast. Gotcha. Thanks. All right. Thank Thanks, you. Mick. Bye. That hey, Brett. Is, <laughs> that is Mick Walker, who covers Hi, football Brett. recruiting. Hi, Brett. Hello. How are we, guys? How are I like, we? I like that pullover. Thank you. Thank you. It's a uh, – it's a nifty one. I like to I like to rock it when I can. Who did you Wait. hold up to get that? 
you know, it, actually, I got to tip my cap to my roommates, who I uh, I told I'm going to be annoying for about 15 to 20 minutes here in a bit. So, uh, I tip my cap to them. It was a Christmas present from them. So, oh wow, they got big time brownie points won by them. You got and, some uh, some nice roommates. They, you know, they know their way to my heart. Let's put it that way. <laughs> what kind of roommates buy each other Christmas presents, Dave? I, don't, I mean, my. It's like better than any Christmas present I get from my roommate. That's better than well, any no. Christmas present I get from my wife. That's the thing, though. I, That's I what I mean. They did my roommate. Right. Your guys' room. Well, they did it, I think, because then I need to buy some gifts in the future type thing. So it's kind of like a, a pay it forward yeah, inside like of the household. Guilt you into, like, now you can't give them a crappy gift because they'll be like, well, we got you that really nice juicy pullover. And this right. is the crap gift you got us. You know, I got to be honest, I've been struggling in the gift department, but wearing this is reminding me what the next birthday that comes up or, or what's the next big holiday, I'm going to have to really step it up. You're probably going to have to order it online, though. Yeah, yeah. More than likely, <laughs> uh, luckily I signed up for Amazon Prime, so uh, whatever we need, we'll probably get it within a day or two. No worries there. Well, I, I'm in a better mood. Brent. Yeah, I was. I, I I've been in a, a pretty foul. I, I dropped half of a Mio's stuffed pizza onto the floor and, uh, today. I read that, and uh, and I just immediately was looking for a gift, like a kind of like a nervous gift, a sweating one. I you know I had the that's a Raven chewing gum, but I decided to go with the one I sent. So it's getting a little nervous, but uh, hey, and then, you're better. And, and then so I, I got two pieces of it. My my wife got a piece. I, I'm still really angry about the fact that I dropped it on the floor. And she comes upstairs and she goes, that pizza was really good. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to have a couple more pieces of it. Right, right. Uh, and then well, as, as we were having that conversation, the puppy walked upstairs and just pissed right on the floor. While he was looking right at both of us. He's looking right at both of us. Still a good boy. He's testing you, Chad. Little test. He picked a bad time to test. Like I, <laughs> I wasn't in the mood for a pop quiz. I love it. I love it. Well, how's, how's the Zoom been going, guys? Seems like you um, rolled through right on time, really. Mick was off right at, at 45. Well, Brett was, Brett was good. Uh, Berg came in and, and was a uh, ball of fire. Boom. Need it. Oh, well, Berg, I didn't ask him a single question. <laughs> Berg asked me Candid. all the questions. Awesome. So awesome. he just came in and dominated me from the minute I said hello. I tried to give him a plug to, to plug Leah's landscaping. He didn't want to do that. All he wanted to do was just pepper me with questions about David DeJulius. Well, that's good. I mean, after what, what JB said about uh, David DeJulius today, I think that a lot of people should just put on a big smile and uh, sit back and watch. So you've been kind of um, the, 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 the utility man yeah. for Bearcat Journal through this, uh, this quarantine. Um, what, what's the experience been like for you, kind of dipping your toes in a little bit of everything, uh, recapping podcasts? You don't, I don't, are you stuck now? Do you have to do a recap of this podcast, of your segment of this podcast? You know, I, I was actually thinking about that, and, and I, uh, I'll re-listen, obviously. But, I mean, you guys aren't, aren't even, you know, you're not Jake Sacco. You're not <laughs> Coach Vic. I mean, so we'll see. We'll see, though. It might, might be in the works. We'll maybe put a little twist to it this time. 
Dave. I don't, I don't even know what to say after what we've talked about so far. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why I wanted to do this, though. Like, I thought it would be a, a fun little, you know, a, a change of pace. I, I'm working on an interesting one next week. I'm trying to get Kaz. Me, yeah. Justin Williams, and Kaz to do a podcast. Man. And that'll be the uh, the after dark edition. We'll have to just release it at certain times, <laughs> a pay per view um, possibly. Make it private when the sun's right. up. Right. Uh, no, I'm the only one that's allowed to to be at the after dark editions. Yeah, the Dave after dark. Well, I, you know, Brett was just throwing us off for loops with his his timing needed to come on at this time or that time. I was wondering if he's got some sort of crazy thing that happens at this exact time. I, I don't know. I guess it's down to the T for him, which is solid. I'm throwing you off. I'm trying to schedule this damn thing, and everything I try I, to do, Brett's, like, redirecting it. Like, Brett, Brett, and I love Brett. Brett has yeah. been with us for a long time. Brett, Brett commits to Cardinal Sin, like, four times a year. He invites himself onto the podcast. Right. When are you right. having me on the podcast? That's not how this works. And then when I agree to have him on, he wants me to, like, he's like you. Like, what are the questions going to be? I don't know what the questions are going to be. Well, you know how it is. It's 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 a softball. Just toss me a softball. I want to be able to hit a grand slam and not, you know, dank out the fair no, no, territory. No, no you got to hit ninety five on the black. Right. Right. You don't. Which, you don't get. You don't get seventy four mile hour change ups. Belt high. <laughs> that that's not this kind of podcast. <laughs> this this isn't Xavier. I'll, yeah, I'll sit back and wait for the hanging curve. I know there's one of them in there. There's got to be one. <laughs> uh, be on, one. The on the football side, uh, not much in terms of team news, but right. Uh, how excited are you for this weekend uh, to get to see Josiah DeGuara? Do I think we're all pretty confident we're going to see his name called uh, yeah. at some point in time this weekend? Uh, Mike Warren, I, I think, is – on the bubble, I right. I think you could see him in the the sixth or seventh round, but I'm not nearly as certain as as that we'll see Josiah. But um, how excited are you for those guys for for them to get their experience this weekend? Yeah, well, I think obviously the main thing that kind of hurt hurt Michael Warren was the times how it's been. Obviously, not really getting yeah. to have a have a pro day at at UC and really put his numbers out there, but. As far as seeing both of them, hopefully both of them getting their names called, it's going to be awesome because it's not normal that for myself covering a team like this and then all of a sudden you see, obviously, I'll say you get when you see a big play from Josiah DeGuar during the season or, or a big play from Michael Warren during the season. You just get super excited to now see their whole entire career come to fruition, a chance to make it to the, to the NFL and, of course, ha- have your name called during the NFL draft, however weird it's going to be on, on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But, you know, the fact that both of them were kind of the way that they were, kind of humble. Mike Mike had his non-humble times, obviously. But, you know, both were definitely great to talk to, very open to the media, very very nice, and, and just constantly a, a really good representation of, of the University of Cincinnati. So I think that you know, hearing Josiah's name called will definitely be one of those success stories as well as Coach Fick has been talking about recently is, you know, when, when Fick took over, he really didn't even know who Josiah was. And it kind of just took hard work and the ability to, to kind of mold and, and craft himself into the player that he is now. And 
have the opportunity to put himself to hear his name called on, you know, Friday or Saturday. So I, I think it's going to be awesome. Awesome when they both get selected. And, uh, and Josiah, of course, is, is going to be one that, that goes down to the record books as well as with Mike. But, you know, it, it's just the, the big time plays that they had throughout the last season and season before is just really showing that this is the direction that the team is heading towards. And I, I think it's just going to be a, a snowball effect from here. You got, you got a question yet, Dave? Have you gathered yourself? No, I was oh. just going to say that I think Mike gets hurt by the what has become the undervaluing of the running back position. Right. Um, there's – I mean, I, I just don't see a reason for a team unless they have, like, a ton of picks late in the draft and they don't want to fight over him as an undrafted free agent. I just don't see a reason – for someone to use a pick on him because um, he's a, he's, you know, a two down back, a power back and everybody wants one of those guys, but with the way the running backs are now is your value is not to use, especially if you only have seven picks, one of your seven picks on a guy like that, you can say, well, we can try to sign him in a free agency. And if we don't get him, there'll be three or four other guys that we, that are very similar. And, you know, we've seen it. If you follow the NFL closely, I mean, all the guys making the most money are now being traded or released, and teams are surviving and thriving with mid to late round picks at running back or even free agents. Like the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, and their leading rusher didn't even have 500 yards. And that part of that is their system. Part of that also shows you, like, you don't need a 350-carry Ezekiel Elliott-type running back anymore. And I think more and more teams are shifting to that philosophy. It's very similar to Josiah probably going to a team that will use him as a move tight end and runs a lot of two tight end sets. Mike's going to be in the same boat. He's going to be looking for a team that runs the ball, whether it's the Ravens, the Browns with the new coach who came over from the Vikings, the Vikings, teams like that, I would think would be more inclined to either use a late pick on him or want to sign him as a free agent. Yeah, and and also you look at the fact that his his game film, when you see some of the runs, you know, some of the, the patented Mike Warren runs, you, you do see, you know, the explosion through the hole and breaking tackles and things that you want to have at the next level. But, you know, I think the fact that you don't have the – the pro day and and a chance for a team to really fall in love with a certain aspect of what he has. You have to go just strictly off game film. And when you start to see those reaches in the late rounds, just the, just the freak athletic guys that that you know have a certain play here and there that pop or or some need picks that really fit what you want rather than you know taking a gamble on Mike. But you know both of them have a chance to do something at the next level. And I really definitely think that, like you said, they. They fit the mold of, of certain sets and, and the ability to play, especially Josiah, play special teams and, and be out there throughout different phases of the game. So I think that, in a way, it's really, really good for both of them to have this sort of crazy time leading up to the draft. But I think Josiah's performance at, at the combine and different things like that definitely set him up to be selected pretty high and, and uh, really have success next year. On the basketball side, uh, how impressed are you with uh, with what John Brandon's been able to accomplish and, and where this roster is at with uh, 
with, you know, with, you know, 12 guys in the fold right now and no decision on, on Prince Toyambi yet, but do you have a light? Do you have a, do you have, what, what, what was that? This is my, this is my computer setup. This is where I'm, I'm working. I'll, I'll give you guys a little glimpse. This is where I'm working every but the, single but, day. But there was a light that just went out. What happened? It's, it's my computer screen right there. Oh, okay. But uh, I thought you yeah. had like a, like a light there on the side, like, like lighting. Oh, oh like the ring? Yeah. Those rings? Little yeah. rings? I have that too, but that's for my TikTok videos. I'll, <laughs> I'll bust that out at a different time. This is, this is serious Zoom podcast time, but that's, that's, that's my secret identity with the Zoom ring. But, uh, but no, I, I, I'll tell you what, what, what has happened with this basketball team? I, you know, obviously when a couple of weeks ago, we don't have to break down. Everyone knows what happened, but a couple of weeks ago I texted you. I was like, oh, how are we feeling? And then of course this past week happens and it's just like, all right, nothing matters. It's, it's, Things are always working, and, and that's the thing about John. I feel like he's always just thinking two steps ahead of everybody instead of just on the same same path that, that we all hope that he's thinking. And, uh, and the, the thing that I step back and look at is that I, I don't remember just looking at every single player on the roster and being like, wow, you know what? He's, he's pretty talented. I, he, a lot of people like what he can bring out of high school or, or – at a previous college or what he had done last year on the team. So just, just the depth of talent, the, the ability to shoot. I, it seems like everyone outside of Chris Vogt can, can extend out the three point range. And just, it's exciting to see that on paper. I, I don't know what it's going to translate during gameplay and how defenses are going to work out and things like that. Cause that's, I think that's one thing on paper. You can't really look and be like, Oh, he's going to be a great defender too, based on that three point shooting percentage. But you know, it's, it's definitely exciting to see just pure talent and, and the ability to score, the ability to shoot on the roster. I think he's done a phenomenal job putting it all together. And the fact that this is what he's done and in the first year on the job, I just – the future's bright. The future's very bright. How many threes a game do you think Mamadou Diara should be taking? Eighty <laughs> percent. If, if you're a big numbers guy, big analytics guy, John, John preaches, he's a big analytics guy. I want to see, I want to see Mamadou take five a game and hit four. Do it. Do it. I mean, he said he, he's at 71% on the season, I believe, is what he, what he finished at. So maybe, maybe just four and you make three, sometimes only two. I like it. Dave, are you what in with man, that? Though. I'm, I'm here for all of the Mamadou shots. <laughs> like he he literally can't shoot enough to satisfy me. So I mean, you're one of the ones when he touches the ball at the three point line, you're you're full throat. You're oh no, I don't even shoot. say anything because I already know the outcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the craziest thing is like you know you think back when Mamadou was you know redshirting, and then when he had you know that that redshirt freshman year spotty minutes here and there, but. I mean, the whole time you kept on hearing from, like, DeMar Johnson and, and Jacob Evans and, you know, Trey Scott and, and different people, you'd ask them who's, who has the best, you know, pro potential or, or who's really shining in practice that no one, no one has really seen yet. They all mentioned Mamadou. And it's just like, okay, well, if this is really what's happening, then I'm excited to see what can happen once he gets it all together. And it seems like, you know, there's no better way to end the season. I, obviously, the end of the season was terrible, and no one wanted it to be that way. But, 
you know, to have the, the confidence of Mamadou and he's not really thinking about much during the offseason. And then, you know, it's, it just seems like a lot of great things heading into the offseason for a lot of the key players returning next year. All right. You got anything left, Dave? No, I'm good, man. Anything, anything you want to add, Brent? No, I mean, I, I see Dave. Is that is that the quarantine beard you're rocking right there? Yeah, it's a good one. It's pretty it's pretty good. strong. Yeah, I've been doing mine. I I shave the neck every once in a while. Yeah, there's a difference between looking like you've been in quarantine and looking like you live under a bridge. So right, right. You, you, you got to kind of try to keep it a little tight. I, I can't go long. It drives me nuts. Yeah, you got to get past that three-week mark. After that, right. no I did. Itching. I did, and it just – like, I don't like when it, like, can come up, like, from my chin over my lip. Yeah, it's called like, – tr- cool. they have tools for that. It's called trimming. Yeah, I trimmed. I'm trimmed. <laughs> I'm back down to my, like, one-week, like, growth. That's where I like it. I'm, I'm, not touch- I haven't, I'm not touching it until I can go to a, a barber and have them clean it up. That's, that's the way I feel. But it's here for good. It's here to stay. Well, no, until then, then after they clean it up, I'll have it for a little bit, and then, then I'll get rid of it. No, you look good with the beard. I, I say keep it. Keep you saying it. I don't look good without it, Brent? You know what? You're the one that said that. <laughs> I didn't say that. You know. <laughs> Is that what people are saying on Twitter, Brent? I, you know what? Streets be talking. That's, hey. that's what they're saying. Yeah, you know. Can't, can't, can't please them all. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> when have you ever tried? <laughs> Never. Hey, were there no Stein Stein bombs or uh, or or Mick bombs that I missed out on? Nothing crazy. No, no. Okay, it's just, okay. It, it was just uh, it, where uh, any other week that we'd have done this, there would have been crazy right. stuff happening oh, like, during the show. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But it, you know, we're we're in a, a little bit more of a mellow period uh, right now. Good. Which is why you know it was good to to have this particular podcast today, so that you know we let things die down a little bit, and then we get the reaction to everything, and then we throw like throwing an Altoid into a Coke is having burned <laughs> on this podcast. So you're saying you're like John Brandon, where you knew what was happening. You're two steps ahead of everybody, so you knew this oh, podcast yeah. I, was coming. I I told him back in that week where we had the four football commits. I told him no bet like. Everybody thinks that they did like you know yeah. they lost on Jermaine right. Tate and Brandon Johnson. No, I told them all football commits this week. Like this week is full. I don't need double ups because right. that's bad for my my long term content plan. So I asked them to wait a week, and right. then the following week, then you get a Tuesday commitment, a Thursday commitment, and then a Friday and Saturday football commitment. So we've had eight commitments over the past fourteen days. Which I orchestrated. Like, that, it, was, it was part of the BCJ content plan. I typed it out. I sent it to Fick. I sent it to John. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I, I tried to send them one this week, and they, it got bounced back. So, I don't know if they changed their email <laughs> or, uh, or what exactly have. happened there. Yeah, University of Chad Brendel Bearcat. It's kind of a little they, they blocked me is probably what happened. <laughs> they, got tired of, they got tired of me sending emails. <laughs> You're going to have to get a burner phone. <laughs> I, I work in the business of burner phones, so <laughs> well aware of how that works. All right, boys, you could probably bo- you could probably borrow one from the guy across town. Ah. <laughs> we'll leave that there. We'll leave that so, there. So, 
thanks to Brett Stein. Thanks to Justin Berg. Thanks to Mick Walker. Thanks to Brent Young. Of course, thanks to David Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com.